cell group information on your way out. You can pick up information for, on the cell groups over there with Awesome Luigi again. And uh, there's cell groups going on all throughout the city. We have them going on just about every area in Miami-Dade County. So if you live in Miami-Dade County, you have no excuse, we have a cell group for you. And what cell groups are is they're small groups of people who live in your area and they gather together for food, for fellowship, and uh, just a breakdown, a re kind of going over of the Sunday teaching. So it's a lot of fun. We encourage you to do that and uh, get to know some people. And then last but not least, if you would like to sponsor a bounced house inflatable of some kind, see, we're like country dogs. That's what happens. We unleash the glory, and everybody's like, their, their tails start wagging. You know, you ever see two country dogs, you know, when you get them together, they just like go crazy. So we, everybody, get, we get talking. So um, if you would like to sponsor a, uh, an inflatable, you're free to do so. We have a sign-up for you over there as well. So let's all say this together. It's time, it's time. To, start. to start. All right. So let's go, Cher. You can't find my slides? Well, maybe it's not time to start because we can't find my slides. <laughs> you going to go up there? You going to wing it? I can't get that to go. It's all right. There you go. And we're off. So last week we did a, um, we laid out a vision of where the church is going to go for the next year and just kind of laid out five points of what we're um, working on over the coming, uh, the coming 12 months. And um, anytime there's a vision, there has to be faith. Am I right? Right? Everybody say it with me. Big God. Big vision. Big vision. Big faith. Right? So we laid out a vision for you last week of what we want to do as a, as a church and what we're calling, us, calling everybody unto. And if you're interested in something like that and you want to hear more of Elevate's teachings, everybody say it with me, SoundCloud. If you don't know what SoundCloud is, just Google SoundCloud. It's a hosting site for audio media. And so if you go to SoundCloud website and you type in Elevate Miami Church, um, you'll see our SoundCloud link and there'll be... Uh, files of the previous weeks will be up there so you can listen in. And the vision was uh, the one from last week. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, uh, we'll keep coming back to it. But just to give you an idea of what's going on there. So today we're going to talk about faith. So put the first slide up there. It's all right. So here we go. Clear the background. My beloved. Sherry, she just, she's just awesome. She just does so much around here. I'm like, geez. Now Heinrich's taking over. Hit it, Heinrich. <laughs> So we're going to talk about faith. The Bible says this. All right, let's read it. Let me, let's read Hebrews 11 first. Let's read this first. Say, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We cannot please God if we do not have faith. We cannot have faith if we don't understand what faith is, where faith comes from, and what we're actually supposed to do with faith once we have it. Okay? So if we do not possess faith, understand faith, or activate faith, we cannot please God. So if it pleases God, we should understand faith. We should, under, we should really have a grasp on this. Because those who come to the Lord must believe that He is. This translation says that He exists. The actual Greek is related to He is. But must believe that in His personhood, but not just His personhood in the form of that He exists, but those who come to Him must believe that He is who He says He is. That's what faith is. Believing, to, coming to God, believing that He is good. Believing that He is for us. Believing that His love is towards us. 
believing that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So the Bible says this too in Romans 1, 17. It says the gospel, for the, in the gospel, the gospel is the message of the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the king's dominion, the rule and the reign of Christ in our world, in our spirits, what God wants to do in the world, the good news of the kingdom. For in it is the righteousness of God revealed. If we want to know what is right to God, God has revealed what is right to him. That's what righteousness means. It's revealed through his gospel, through his message. So if we want to know what's right to God, we've got to understand his word. We've got to understand his message. And that message, okay, it's a righteousness that is from faith from first to last. Just as is written, the just shall live by faith. So what I'm trying to do is emphasize to you the importance of faith. The message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, everything that God has, wills, and wants to do in us, through us, and in our world, in our generation, is in the gospel. In that gospel is what is right to God, what God wants to do and what is right to him. And that is only revealed through faith. So in other words, we can't say it with me. We cannot know what is right to God, nor can we know what God wants to do without faith. God can say it all day long, but until we actually believe it, agree with it and do something or partner with it, nothing's going to happen. We can quote verses like, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Those who believe will be saved, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can believe that all day long. Oh, I believe that. But that is not revealed until we actually put faith in it and do something with it. You understand that? I say, well, the Lord's going to have his way. The Lord seldom has his way. And if you're aware of that, if the Lord has his way, there would be no rape. If the Lord had his way, there would be no drug addiction. If the Lord had his way, everybody would be saved. The Lord isn't having his way. The Lord has decreed his will, but it requires a partnership with his people in order to bring that about. And that partnership is in direct relationship to faith. Knowing what he says, believing what he says, and believing it so much that we're actually going to do something with it. That's what faith is. Faith is belief to the point of action. We believe it and we do something with it. We were created to live by faith. There's a lot of talk shows and lots of books and human dysfunction. Anybody know what human dysfunction is? We are, uh, yeah, hello, come on, I got some witnesses here this morning. This is good. We're all dysfunctional. Jesus' church is a dysfunctional family. Welcome to the family. Aren't you glad? We're functionally dysfunctional. But the way we move from dysfunction into more function is by understanding what we are, why we are, and how we are supposed to be. Dysfunction comes when we're operating outside of our norm. Dysfunction comes when we're operating outside of our created intent. And so one of the reasons we're dysfunctional is because we don't understand we're created to live by faith. If we're created to live according to faith, according to live in an atmosphere of faith, belief, substance, drawing from one world into another, that is the lifestyle of the believer could it be that we will actually become a more functional people if we understand what that is and what that looks like? Could it be that we have high levels of dysfunction because we don't understand faith? We think that faith is an intellectual assent. We think that faith is just, I just got to convince myself of something. Faith goes beyond the natural mind. Faith is a presence in an atmosphere to where you don't understand. It's like, I believe this can happen and I quite don't know why, you know? I know that I know that I know. It makes no sense to me why this is, but I believe and know. Faith is a substance that is beyond the natural mind. 
God makes no, say this with me, Jesus, Jesus. come on, Jesus, Jesus. you can say Jesus in church, it's perfectly okay. Jesus Jesus. makes Makes. no No. partnership with my natural mind. He's not. Doesn't mean he doesn't use your natural mind. Doesn't mean he doesn't value your natural mind. Doesn't mean he doesn't use your intellect. But he will not partner with your intellect. He partners with your spirit. And in this partnership with the spirit, the intellect submits itself to the spirit. Well, what we teach in our world is the spirit has to submit itself to the intellect. Never going to happen. Kingdom of God doesn't work that way. We say, I'll believe it when I see it. You'll never see it. you never see it. Because God is not partnering with the natural mind. Faith is beyond the natural mind. Faith goes beyond. What God wants to do is beyond the natural mind. And the intellect becomes engaged from the realm of the spirit. Then the intellect begins to understand things it never understood before. Because you're not operating in the natural mind. You're now operating in the mind of Christ. Some of you guys are really heady people. You're really intellectual. You're really into learning. That's awesome. What would happen if you took that intellect and began to partner it with the mind of the spirit? What would happen if you took that intellect and actually took it out of the natural world and took that intellect and put it into the supernatural world and partnered with the mind of Christ? Would God not open up broad horizons to you? Would he not show you things, great and mighty things that you know not of? Not from a human source, but from a divine source? Partnering with and using that which he gave you from the very beginning? I would say yes. We're created to live by faith. We're created to work from a realm that is beyond our understanding. We're made right with God by faith. We come to Christ through faith. We put faith in an act that Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross, took, his, took my sins upon him, died, was buried, was completely dead, and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And, he, and now if I believe that and put my faith in that and give him my heart, he will give me his. I give him my life. He will give me his. And I become born again and I'm a new creation. That happens by faith. You believe it so much that you give your heart away. You cannot become born again by believing it with your mind. If Dave was here, I'd get Dave to testify sometime. I had a guy, Dave Pavone, uh, uh, you see Dave around here, and he he used to say, I can't believe in Jesus because it doesn't make sense to my mind. And I said, well, let me free you. It's never going to make sense to your mind. It won't. The Bible says that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. It doesn't make sense. It says to the Greek, it is foolishness as well. Greek minds and intellectual minds. I said, if you're, going to, if, if, if you're going to think, if you're going to believe in Christ only because it makes sense to your natural mind, it doesn't. Because God's not partnering with the natural mind. He's not going to try to convince human intellect. It's from the Spirit. He believed in his heart, but he couldn't give his heart away. That's what salvation means. You give your heart to Jesus, he gives you his. He couldn't fully give his heart away because he couldn't get convinced in his mind. And I told him, it's never going to make sense. Let's just talk about that. God came down, was born of a virgin. Okay, that makes perfect sense, right? Intellectually, I got that figured out right away. It doesn't make any sense. He lived sinlessly 30 years of his life, 33 years of his life, died on a cross, was crucified publicly for my sins, died, took the sins of the world upon him. Wow, that makes sense too. You mean he took the sins on him? Wow, that makes perfect sense. It makes no sense. Your mind doesn't understand it. He died Rose from the dead. Now, resurrection from the dead, now we got that one figured out, don't we? That makes sense, doesn't it? It makes no sense. makes no sense to the mind. But yet, somehow, our spirits and our hearts can believe that. Because God is not partnering with your mind. He's partnering with your spirit. God is spirit. They that worship him must what? Worship him where? In the mind? No. In the spirit and truth. Again, for those of you that, that are intellectual, you submit the mind unto the Father. You, put, you take your mind and connect it with the mind of Christ. 
And all of a sudden, you can see in cosmic ways, you can see the matrix. Come on. That's true. So now what he said, Jeremiah 33, 3, call upon me and I will answer you. And I will what? Show you great and mighty things that you don't know anything about. So we're created to live by faith. We're made right with God by faith. All that is right to God comes by faith. We cannot please God without faith. So what is faith? It's the belief to the point of action. Faith is not intellectual. Faith can see. Faith can hear. Faith can understand. Faith is beyond human means. It's beyond human means. Next slide. So here comes some freedom into the room. Love to set people free. We're getting there. I'm not quite to freedom yet, but we're almost there. <laughs> now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Everybody say now. 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 Faith is now. The Greek word is emiti. Emiti omni. Ever present. In every single moment, faith is available. Faith is an atmosphere. Faith is a substance. Faith isn't something that we can just convince ourselves of. Faith is something we enter into. We enter into faith. Those of you who've come to Christ, somebody who led you to Jesus, somehow faith entered your heart. Your head was like, well, what in the world is this all about? But yet somehow in your heart, you believed this. Somehow in your heart, something was entering into your heart to show you that this was real. And you decided to partner with that. And boom, you came into a whole new reality. What was released in your heart was the faith of God. God put his faith in your heart to believe. That's why blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a denial of the work of the Spirit upon the life of the believer or the unbeliever. So when God is speaking to an unbeliever and calling him unto himself, and the, and, and you're, the message is coming because the, the power is on the message itself. The power is never on the messenger when it comes to calling people to salvation. The power is on the message. You can have a drunk preach it, and there's power on it. I've been preached to by a drunk, and there's power on it. God couldn't even get the words out. I'm just going to tell you about Jesus. He died for you, you know. You know, and I could feel the power that was not on, the, on that guy, but was on the message itself. And so what happens is, is when the word is released, faith is released with that word. And what happens is, is that comes upon our hearts. That's why to deny that is to profane the work of the Spirit. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because God is giving you something you don't deserve. God is actually humbling himself beneath you. In serving you. Because we deserve judgment. We deserve condemnation. We deserve, we've rejected God. We are holy and we are completely and lost in every facet of the way. And God puts a grace upon our heart to believe. He gives you something. And he wants you to value it. And the way we value it when, when the message is being spoken is we embrace it and partner with it. That's what it means. So faith is substance. Faith is now ever present. It's atmosphere. It's released. It can be entered into. Faith is available in every moment. Ready for this? Here comes freedom. Faith. I got one of you. Thank you, Alex, for partnering with me. I'm just going to give you a high five. All right. I got one guy over here who wants faith. Ready? Say it with me. Faith. All right. Comes from the Lord. If I look to myself. Here, we're going to sizzle on this one. If I look to myself for faith, I am at a disadvantage. Because faith comes from the Lord. This is where guilt and shame enters into the life of the believer because we end up sitting there going, I just got to have more faith. I just got to have more faith. I just got to have more faith. You're not going to have more faith. You're not. Faith comes from heaven. You say, wait a minute. God gives us the measure of faith. There's a verse in Romans. Yeah, you have the measure of faith, but God gave it to you. You understand? Faith does not emit itself from the lives of men or women. It comes from heaven. It's the same concept of forgiveness. 
Christians struggle with forgiveness and beating themselves up. Why can't I forgive this person? Why can't I forgive this person? Because forgiveness is not from the human condition. Forgiveness comes from the Lord. That's right. You cannot walk in forgiveness because it's not of human nature. You ever notice this? I'll just give you an example. And some of you guys are going to know. You got the love of God flowing in you. You're in the spirit, whatever. You can forgive anyone and everyone. You guys know what I'm talking about? Right? They just burned your house down and stole your dog. But you're like, I'm good, man. I'm good. I got the peace. I'm just, I, just, I just forgive them in the name of Jesus. And you wake up the next morning. You're not in the spirit. And you're loading your gun. You're getting in a car. You know, you're going to go hunt. Where is my dog, man? You know, you're going to get, because that's the difference between being in the spirit and not. You cannot walk in the fullness of, of, the, of forgiveness without the Holy Spirit. So some of you, you beat yourselves up over unforgiveness when unforgiveness is not from you. The way you experience forgiveness is getting in the spirit. That's it. You can't forgive yourself. I can't forgive myself for that. Well, of course you can't. But get in the spirit and you can love yourself. Everybody loves themselves in the spirit. Huh? Come on. This is why it's important to get in the spirit as a Christian. This is what the Bible says. Walk where? In the spirit. God is spirit and we worship him where? In the spirit. And we think it's this. Well, I'm just in the spirit. No, in the spirit, man. Let him move in you. Come alive. Let the fire brew over you. Get the willies, man. Get the goosebumps. Get the woo. I feel warm. I just feel, I feel all tingly. That's the spirit, Christian. Learn that. Understand that. Partner with that. Don't resist that. Give yourself to that. That's the real you. That's why you love yourself in the spirit. You get in the spirit and you're like, man, I'm a pretty cool dude. I like myself. I can love people. I feel really smart. Anybody feel smart in the spirit? You get in the spirit, you're like, man, I'm a flipping genius. It's because you have the mind of Christ. That's why, you know, I'm a loving person. I'm a great person because you have the love of God flowing in you. Then the next morning you wake up and you can't even calculate two plus two. You're like, what is that? Man, I was so smart yesterday. What happened over here? It's the life in the spirit. It's paramount, hugely important to the believer. Huge, huge. Faith is eternal. Faith is part of our created design. It's available in every moment. Faith is substance. You can feel faith. You can feel the substance of faith. So faith can have a substance in the spirit, and faith sometimes has no feeling at all. Faith is just a neutral determination. Faith can grow. Faith can increase. So what happens, God gives the faith comes from God. He gives us a measure of faith. Okay? Any parents in here? Okay? You got little kids? Right? You ever give your kids a few bucks to go buy you a present? You ever do that? It's my birthday. Here, here's 20 bucks. Go get me something. <laughs> Wrap it up nice. Bring it back. I'm going to act surprised. It's all going to be great. It's going to be amazing. You ever give him something to go get you something? That's what the Father does. He gives us something because we possess nothing. Everything good and perfect comes from him. So he gives us something, and we give it back to him. So he gives us the measure of faith. We extend back to him that measure of faith, and we receive upon us again now the faith of God. So we have a measure that we give to him, and he gives to us a fullness. You understand that? Faith has a substance. When you're in the spirit, you can feel faith. Sometimes when you're not in the spirit, faith has no feeling. Faith does not always have a feeling. Faith sometimes has a feeling, but not always. It's a substance. You know, and you're going to sense something, and it's going to go beyond your head. You can't walk by your head. Say with me, my head will always lie to me. Always. Your head's going to lie to you. 
It's enmity against God. It wars against God, especially with the things of the Spirit. Faith is substance. Faith comes from hope. So where does faith come from? The faith, we have to look to God for faith. I've been in many situations, and sometimes, okay, as a pastor, and you guys are going to face this in your own life, I face it with myself, but I also face it with other people. People will come and they'll say, this is what's going on in my life. And, in, and outwardly, I'm like, mm-hmm. Inwardly, I'm like, wow. <laughs> it's overwhelming. Anybody face overwhelming situations? I face them in my own life. I face overwhelming situations. And sometimes in a ministry sense standpoint, I'm looking at the circumstance and I always am asking the Lord what he wants to do. And I'll go, what do you want to do? And I remember one time, this is how I learned all this. The Lord goes, the first thing I want you to do is stop looking to yourself for faith. That's the first thing he told me. Well, I was like, well, what does that mean? And I felt like, look to me for faith. I went home for like three days and I started thinking about that. I was like, what are you, what are you telling me? I said, Kevin, you do not possess faith. You're looking for yourself and you're trying to summon this faith and you don't have it. Go where I am, and you won't have any problems with faith. There's no sickness in heaven. No problem. There's no disease in heaven. No problem. There's no poverty in heaven. No problem. There's no circumstance too great from God in heaven. Jesus isn't freaking out. There's no confusion in heaven. So if what I want is there, then I go to his world. It's this whole partnership with the spirit thing. Very, 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 I don't know if I said that enough, important. It's important. Can't be denied. That relational aspect with the Spirit is extremely important. We cannot look to ourselves for faith. You guys are going to face situations that are impossible. And it all looks like it's going down. And everybody's telling you it's going down. And everybody's telling you it's over. There's one voice that will tell you it's not over, and it's the Holy Spirit. Nothing is ever dead as long as the hand of God is extended in that direction. We walk in resurrection power, so there can be no death. We are filled with resurrection power. You understand that? That's the power that's given to us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Resurrection power belongs to the believer. So nothing can die. It's never over. God says it can live. It's never ended. God says it can happen. They say this, I say this. Where are you going to go? You're going to believe God. Faith is a substance. We look to God for faith. And there's ways of doing that. From the spirit, from his word, from remembrance. We're going to touch on that. But we look to the Lord for faith. And he always gives it. You know why? You know why? The Bible says if we are faithless, he is what? Faithful. We are faithless, he is faithful. He is full of faith. He's not lacking faith. He's full of it. And he's ready to give it away and ready to release it. If we are faithless, he is faithful. He cannot deny himself. He's not doubting. He's not doubting. I love to tell Christians this. Jesus has no confidence in you. We're like, wait a minute, that's coming against my self-esteem. He doesn't. He has full confidence in himself, in you. His confidence isn't in you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad it doesn't all depend upon you? You got a verse? I sure do. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Lord in you, willing and doing. So the confidence isn't in you. The confidence is in him, willing and doing. The confidence is in the power of his presence within you. So if we want power, we need to partner with his presence that's within us. You understand that? You can't do it. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. That's my life's verse. I remind myself of that all the time. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so therefore, if I want to do anything, I better find Jesus. Where are you, Lord? What do you want? What are you saying? What are you doing? So understand this with faith. You need to free yourselves, Christian. 
You need to free yourselves. Stop the enemy condemning you. Right? The only thing you're not doing is you're not partnering with the Spirit. What if you didn't have a faith problem? You had a partnership problem. What if your problem wasn't that you don't have any faith? What if your problem was you're not entering the Spirit? Wouldn't that solve a lot of things? Jesus isn't working on your faithless problem. He's working on your partnership problem. He's bringing you into deeper relationship. He's not working on your negatives. He's trying to call out your positives. He's not pointing at your deficiencies. He's pointing at your sufficiency. He's not saying, well, here's your problem, Kevin. You don't have any faith. He's saying, here's your sufficiency. You have the presence of God. You have the glory of the kingdom living inside of you. The Holy Spirit points at your sufficiency, not your deficiency. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He is not condemning. He is not punching you down and browbeating you and telling you what a loser you are. He's not. The devil is who does that. He's the voice of the accuser. The devil points to deficiency. You don't have enough. You don't have enough education. You don't have the background. You don't have the qualifications. Who do you think you are? It's never going to happen. He's always pointing to sufficiency. God's always pointing, or deficiency. God's always pointing to what you are sufficient in. There is nothing that is impossible with God. Amen. Nothing. He raises the God who gives life from the dead and calls what is not as though it were. Something dead in your life? Something really gone? Ask God to give you a word that calls what is not as though it were. What do you say, Lord? I say live and not die. I say succeed and not fail. I say above only and not beneath. Whose report are you going to believe? That's what your father says. I'm telling you. That's how it works. We partner with him in these ways. We learn these things from him. Faith is evidence. So Corinthians, these three things. So where does faith come from? Faith comes from the Father. Faith is given to us. But sometimes there's an absence of faith or there's an unwillingness for us to extend faith to him. Why don't we extend our measure back to him? Well, if there's no faith, then there's no hope. If there's no hope, then there's a love. Somewhere along the line where faith is gone, a lie has been incepted. There's a lie that is being believed, and there's a lie that's been incepted into you. And that lie is that without, with, there's no faith, there's no hope. Well, what does no hope look like? God's not with you. You've gone too far. You've really screwed it up. God's not, God's not even alive in the world. There are no more miracles. So we have incepted lies by the devil. We have incepted lies by the church itself that teach doctrines of men embalmed with death fluid, with no life, no life. We may as well have a funeral procession sometimes because we don't teach the people that there is life in the Spirit. We don't teach people where the power of the kingdom comes from. We may, I mean, it's just the truth. You know, we have incepted lies. God's not doing anything in the world anymore. That's an incepted lie. Therefore, there's no hope. Therefore, there's no faith. That's why the Christian believes God for nothing. Because we have no hope. If we have hope that God will change a generation, then when we begin to believe God that God will change a generation, then when we begin to care enough that God will change a generation, then we'll begin to actually do something and partner with him to change a generation. But we don't because we don't have any hope that he'll actually do anything. Come on. Oh, I just don't want to be disappointed. Really? Really? There's no disappointment with Jesus. I'm going to tell you that right now. And do you know why? Because Jesus, say it with me, Jesus, Jesus. Always, always does something. Always. And most of the time, it's above and beyond what you could ask or think. He works in a way you weren't expecting. And he does way more than you were expecting. 
But we make no demand upon his presence. That's why there's no activation of his presence. And we don't have faith because we don't have hope because we don't believe that he'll actually do anything. And most of the time it comes down to the fact that we don't believe we're loved. Faith, hope, and love are a threefold cord. Where love exists, there is hope. Where hope exists, there is faith. Where there is no atmosphere of love or no affirmation or understanding of love, there is no hope. Where there is no hope, there can be no faith. So somewhere along the line, you've got to backtrack and begin to ask yourself, what lie am I believing? Am I believing that nothing will change? Your Bible doesn't tell you that. You're believing a lie. You're partnering with a lie. Your Bible does not say that. Am I believing that I'm not loved? That God just doesn't love me? Who told you that? Who told you that? Some of us have been trained our whole lives and conditioned our whole lives to believe that God doesn't love us. We hear it. We believe he'll save us, but we really don't believe he'll love us. And we don't really believe he's for us and will transform us if we'll partner with him. We don't believe it. Therefore, we don't do anything. We have no hope that that will happen. Therefore, if we have no hope, we truly don't believe that he loves us. If hope comes from love and there is no hope that anything will change, there is a lie that relates to love. If there's love and hope, but there is no faith, or if there's love, and I understand I'm loved, but there's no hope, then there's a lie that's relating to hope. Somewhere along the line, there's a lie. Where's the lie, Christian? Where's the lie? That's the answer. You want greater things? Address the lies that you believe. What do I really believe about the Father? What do I really believe about Him in relationship to me? What do I really believe about my future? Any area where there is no glistening hope is an incepted lie by the devil. Wherever the area of your life is where hope does not glisten, the enemy has a stronghold there. Where is it? Your future? Your body, your mind, your finances, your kids, where, where is it? Where's the lie? Where is the area where there is no hope? Or you look at it and there's no glistening hope. You're like, wow, there's an incepted lie there. And that's what you have to address. Cast down vain imaginations. Cast down, pull down every stronghold that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. You're going to know that verse. We're a while. Because that is, a, that is a voice and a lie that is exalting itself against something God says. And you are giving it power by partnering with it. You're going to partner with something. Power, say this with me, power comes through partnership. What you partner, you will activate. It's the way it is. You're going to partner with lies, you're going to activate the lies. You're going to partner with truth, you're going to activate truth. What are you going to partner with? God told his people before they went into the promised land, whose report are you going to believe? I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Make up your mind. You're going to partner with something. He didn't say you can be neutral on this. He never told them because there is no neutrality. You're not going to be neutral. You're going to believe death or you're going to believe life. You're going to believe truth or you're going to believe lies. You're going to believe something. And you've got to make up your mind what you're believing. And most of us don't even have any conscious awareness of the lies that we're believing. And we live as slaves and in bondage to lies that we don't even know we believe. Because we never take the time to examine where these problems are. And the church will give you a pinwheel and a piece of cotton candy on the way out the door, crack you on the rear end, say, come back next week. And nobody's life has changed. And we go week after week after year after year after generation after generation. And nobody's changed. 
And nobody asked the question, why? Why? I began to ask God, why? And he's like, oh my God, I felt like the Lord fell out of his chair. Hold on, hold on a second, Evan. Somebody's asking, asking me why and there's no power. Somebody's actually asking me why there's no transformation. Read your gospel. We create a lie that says God's dead and he's left our generation and everything's in the sweet by and by and there's no miracles and there's no power. And all that is is a self-justification. Men create doctrines to justify their faithlessness. Men create doctrines to justify their powerlessness. Men create doctrines to justify their laziness. Their unwillingness to press in and contend for the things that God said you could have. If he said you could have it, you can have it. Yeah, come on. <laughs> he wants, say it with me, Jesus wants me to take advantage of him. That's a shock. He wants it. He wants people who believe he's generous and will take advantage of him. Even if you're immature in the process. You know why? Because he knows motion creates change. Even if you're taking advantage of him in an immature way, you're still partnering with him and giving him an avenue to work in your life. So even if you're taking advantage of him in your immature, because that's where we don't want to be immature, take advantage of the Lord. Jesus is like, here, take it. That's right. He will work through your immaturity to make you mature. But he cannot work with you if you will not partner in any way with him. We come boldly before the throne of grace, right? To receive and to find we receive mercy. There's mercy. But we find grace. What is grace? The enabling power of God. We come before the throne of grace to receive what's already ours. Mercy. Oh, God, thank you for mercy. And we find grace. Find where the power lies. So we come before the throne to get mercy. And then we find where is the power. Grace is charis. Grace is power. Grace is where the Lord is looking. We come before the throne, get mercy, and say, Father, where are you looking? Father, where's the enabling power for my life? Father, what is the word over me? But we got to come to him and believe that he is. And he is who he says he is. He wants to change a generation. We do fire starters. I'm going to put you out there, Lucas. So just high five me at the end. Lucas, Lucas was coming to fire starters, right? And I'm just going to share. If I break if I bust up your story, just, just come and just say, it was kind of like that. But... <laughs> I know the word was, I know what the word was. When Lucas comes to me and he was talking to me about fire stars, we teach how to move in the prophetic, hear, see, and feel as God sees. We teach how to activate healing, all this stuff. What's rightfully yours as a believer. And he says, this isn't what I'm used to. I'm not, you've never seen anything or experienced anything like this before. He said, but I told the Lord I would, op I would, I want to be open-minded to this and I want to see what you have here. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. See, so I'm right now. Okay. Good there. And so he was here and we were doing all this. And so he's, he's back there and we're challenging people. Cross the chicken line. Believe God. Ask God for something. Ask him. And so Lucas says, Lord, give me a word. I, I, I want a prophetic word, you know, because we're activating prophetic words. He had, you had some words right directly over him that were spot on. And so he's asking the Lord to give him a word. And he says that the Lord gave him a word for me. And so he's like, oh, no, not the pastor. The first word I'm going to share, I'm going to share with the pastor. So he comes over to me and he's like, I'm going to cross the chicken line. I'm like, great. And he goes, um, do the word does the word Lamborghini mean anything to you? And I said, yeah, maybe. Not that I drive a Lamborghini at all. That's not even it. Yeah, I got one right out in the site. No, not, not even. I got a beater van. I, I didn't be embarrassed to show you. Um, my wife's like, 
Sherry puts a hood over herself when we're driving around in the van. She doesn't want anybody to see it. <laughs> anyway, so he says that you got, he goes, <laughs> he goes, does the word Lamborghinis mean anything to you? And I said, yeah, what do you feel the Lord's telling you? He said, I feel that this church is building Lamborghinis and that the Lord says that this church is building high quality, high performance um, uh, Christians of the highest material and that can perform at very high levels. Yeah, come on. Yeah, that's right. What he, did, what he did not know is about two years ago, we had a word, it was a word that was given that this church, I heard the Lord say, build, build, um, build McLarens. McLarens are like Lamborghinis. They're just less known. And I heard the Lord said, I want you to build me McLarens. I want you to build me customized sports cars that can perform at high levels. He didn't know that. He had no idea. He shared the word with me and, I, and he's kind of looking at me and I'm like, hey, sure, did you hear what he said? And she's like, what? And I said, he said the, God's, the Lord's building Lamborghinis through this church. And we were just like, man, it was so, but it was right on the money. Right on the money. You know, he's pressing into something that's rightfully his. It's rightfully his. And so we call you into these arenas that are rightfully his, that are rightfully yours. You partner with the supernatural to become the end of the natural. And he's calling what is not as though it were. He's hearing the voice of God. That's why the prophetic voice is essential to the believer. Essential. And we've done everything in our power. Man, I hear pastors all the time, man, and they just want to kill the prophetic word. Kill it. Kill it. Oh, we don't want to get into divination. We don't want it to get into hearing voices. Well, there's a voice I'd like to hear, and it's Jesus's. And he said, my sheep hear my voice. I'd love to hear that. Can I get that one? Crazy, man. We don't want to get into divination. We don't want to get into any of that. So here. Or we have the perspective that only the pastor can prophesy. Only the pastor and the designated anointed elders have the ability to give the prophetic word. Not according to your Bible. The purpose of the pastor and the elder is to lead you into maturity, to activate the gift, and to teach you how to rightfully use it. But that doesn't mean that only the pastor and the elder operate in those gifts. The gifts, the bread is for the children, you see. They're ministry tools to enable you to change your world. They're ministry tools to enable you to partner with and encounter God in a life-giving and powerful way. That's why. Man, it's, it's awesome. And so that's what we're doing. We're building Lamborghinis, high-performance cars. Faith is, create, faith is part of the created design. Hebrews says faith is now. It's available in every moment. Faith comes from love. Faith is evidence. It produces something. Something should be produced by our faith. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear fruit. He didn't say, Herein is my Father glorified that we sit in a chair. <laughs> Nothing wrong with sitting in a chair and learning. Nothing wrong with that. But we should do something with what it is that we hear. Amen. Right? We're not just hearers, we're doers. Amen. And we create a lack of substance in the life of the Christian. And that's a, that's a, that's a travesty. It's a crime. It's a crime, and you should not be accepting of that. I have Christians that come to this church. They've been here for a while. They go off to another church, and they're like, I already told them I'm not accepting anything. If we're not going to move in spirit, and we're not going to move in power, I'm not going to be here long. Why did they get that? Because I've told them the church needs to move in spirit, substance, and power. They need to teach you and teach you high-level teaching. We are a high-teaching word church. We teach high-level word. Okay, We're giving it up, steak, eggs, tofu, whatever it is you eat. We're giving it up that way. Yeah, come on. You know, we give it up that way, but we want you to understand that life's in the spirit, man. Life's in the spirit. So faith is evidence. Next slide, please. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from the Lord. Okay, so it comes from God. So we put a measure of faith towards him. We receive a faith in a substance in the spirit. You can get it that way. So that's the substance of faith comes in the spirit. You can get faith through the scripture. 
You can be reading your Bible and the Lord can be speaking at you something. He can be highlighting something to you off the page to get you to partner with it. God's so loved. You ever read a verse and you can't even get through the whole thing? You start reading the Bible and like just certain words pop off the page. God so loved. I didn't just love, Kevin. I so loved. So if you so loved, that means you so love me. And now faith is moving in me because I feel I'm loved. There's hope. There's love. For, there's, it's happening. So faith comes from the word of God. You can read a story and you can look at it and go, man, that dude had it way worse than me. You know, I didn't have it that bad. And if God changed his world, he'll change mine. Or, wow, there's a promise. That, 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 says, that, that says that God will be a high tower for me. That, Lord, that says that the Lord will protect me from my enemies. That means I'm loved. That means I have hope. That means people aren't just going to ravish me. That God will protect me. Now I have hope. Father, protect me. Now I'm operating in faith. See how this works? It's this transition. So faith comes from the Word of God. Faith comes through revelation. Two Greek words. One is logos. The other is rhema. Logos is your written word. So God speaks through the logos. But guess what? He also speaks through the rhema. Revealed, revelatory word. Things beyond your understanding. Poof. He shows you something that you shouldn't know. Words of knowledge, words of activation, whatever it may be, he shows you something. It's called a rhema word. He speaks. So he, you can hear, see, and feel as the Father speaks. His Spirit lives in you. If His Spirit lives in you, then I can see as the Father sees, I can hear as the Father hears, and I can feel as the Father feels. You can, in the Spirit. Just how it is. So we have a rhema word, so God can give you a rhema word. He can show you something. He can give you a word over your life. He can speak a word over your life. Problem with prophetic word is people don't partner with the prophetic word. I'm a big, part, I'm a big advocate of partnering with the prophetic word. So when God releases a word over your life and it's in line with where you, if you line up with it, and you're like, yeah, I can see that. Then do something with it. I had a word the last two years. We were working on a couple of projects. The last two people that I had give me prophetic word, other than Lucas. Right on, Lucas. <laughs> High five. But last, I was in a couple of different settings and I had a couple of pastors like, you know, give me prophetic word and they were giving over ministry people and stuff like that. And the last two words in completely different settings were that I was a builder. Well, I've known that my whole life. But there was a calling out of me being a builder. And so what did I do with it? I began to back up and I go, okay, Lord, I'm a builder. What, am, what do you want me to build? And God began to show me what I want to build. And what's a build? So that's why we're doing a school. We're doing all these different things. We've got a bunch of projects in the back, but we're putting this one up first. Then I got a word from Hank on the phone, and we were talking about the school. And Hank goes, I was just praying, and I heard the Lord say that if we will incorporate the school, the money's going to flow in. Do you know what I did? I got on the phone and I called Tom. That, I go, I'm getting off the phone right now. I got on the phone. I said, Tom, start the incorporation papers <laughs> right now. I part, you partner with the word, Christian. You get a prophetic word over your life. Do something with it, man. God calls you out and says, man, you're just a princess. You're just, a, you're just, you're just clothed in the glory of the Lord. And I see just a spirit of kindness all around you. What do you think you should do? Help me out. You should be kind. You should be walking in that. You should be throwing out kindness like cookies. Boom, boom, boom. There's a word over my life that I, I just set people free with kindness. There's a word over my life that I bring kindness everywhere I go. We don't just go, well, the word over me is that I bring kindness anywhere I go. And then you sit there like a sour lump on a, on a log. You partner with what's been spoken over you. Some of you have great destiny spoken over your life. Some of you have had, if the word's not bigger than you, it's not from the Lord. World changer. Really? Really? You're like Gideon eating, eating, eating. Great and mighty man of valor. Really? 
Partner with the word that comes over your life. Activate it. Faith comes from God. Faith comes from above. So here's the verse I want to hit on, right? Romans 10, 17. Where does faith come from? It comes from the word. It comes from revelation. It comes from remembering. You can be in a situation that's very difficult for you. And you can remember that God brought you out of that five years ago. And you can remember that if he did it then, what's going to happen? He will, he will do it again. What the Christian needs to understand is when you have breakthrough, this is huge. When, everybody say, this is huge. Grab your ear and say, I need to get this. Right. What God brings you into, you now have access to. He doesn't bring you in as a visitor. He brings you in as an occupant. So if he's broken you through financially in the past, you weren't, you weren't a visitor in that room. You now have the keys to that room. If he did it then, he will do it now. This is the key to the kingdom, right? If he broke you through in healing, I tell people what you, what, you've, what you have experienced, you are now a carrier of that. You carry his world. What, he push, what you push into in his world, you now carry it. It's your aroma. It's your cologne. It's your fragrance. It's who you are. It's what exudes off of your life. So we have people, we pray for people, and it's like, hey, has any, this person's got this condition. Anybody had healing in this arena? Boom. I want that person there praying with me because they're carrying that. It's just the way it works. You have faith through remembrance. Or better yet, if he did it for another, he'll do it for you. Why? Because there's a word in the Bible that says God's no respecter of persons. What he did for one, he'll do for you. And you're like, well, if Sister Sally can, you know, get a breakthrough and get a new job. Well, then why can't I? He did it for one. Why won't he do it for me? Exactly. We get nothing because we believe nothing. We believe him for nothing because, well, bless God, we just don't want to be disappointed. I'd rather sit over here and believe nothing and never have the chance of being disappointed than I ever will know if I go over here and maybe, maybe you're going to break through. And maybe you're going to experience the power of the kingdom actually coming into your life. Just maybe. Ask, seek, and knock. Huh? We don't ask. We don't seek. We don't knock. That's right. What are you asking God for? What are you earnestly asking God for? What are you earnestly seeking from the Father? From heaven? What are you seeking? What are you knocking on the door for? It's a series of questions. What do I want? Why do I want it? And what am I going to do with it once I get it? It's a series of questions. What is it that I want? Sometimes we don't even know what we want. You know what? Ask the Lord, what is it that you want? What do you want? What you want? He'll tell you what you want. He will. I've had to ask him the same thing. I'm like, I, you know, some stuff I don't resonate with, but there's something on me. And I'm like, what is it that I want, Lord? I don't understand what I want. You know what the Lord told me? Ha <laughs> ha. It's totally right. He, he knows you better than you know you. He said, you want significance, Kevin. You don't want fame. You want significance. Because I could care less about fame. I really don't care. I have no ambitions of signing 8 by 10 glossies at the door. You know, I really don't care. Yeah, thank you, one person. But then not that I care to clap. Making me famous with that golf clap, Casey. But I don't care about fame. That's not my motivation. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Yeah, thanks, Casey. Yeah, put me out there. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong. My point is not saying that it's right or wrong. My point is, is asking the Father, what is it that I want? I want to pursue. Call up, he will give you the desires of your heart. Is that not what it says? Well, how come you don't have them? Because you don't even know what you want. Just a thought. Could it be you don't have what you want because you have no idea what it is that you want? Or you've got some glimmering 
gray cloud of an understanding of what it is that you want. Press into that. Why do I want significance? That was my next question. He says, you want significance. You're made to make a difference in your world. And so every question relates, will this maximize my significance? Not my significance, because the significance that I want is not for me. I want to see his glory in the land, do you not? We're going to stand before him. We sing these songs. For, for eternity, we'll sing of all you've done. Well, what are you going to sing about if you haven't seen him do anything? For eternity, we'll sing of all you've done. God with us, God for us. Great song, amazing song. But I think about that, and I thought, what are we going to sing about if we haven't seen him do anything in our generation? We'll sing of all that you did back in the 70s. We'll sing of all that you did in the early church. Well, what about your generation, Christian? Can we sing about something that he's going to do in our generation, in our day, now, today, in our world, before we all go push up daisies? Can we see the move of God in our land? Can we see resurrection power come in his church? Can we see the people come alive? Can we see the bride of Christ look like the bride of Christ and not the bride of Chucky? Can we do that one? Serious. Like some like deformed doll. We're like, we're the bride of Jesus. You know? Where's the attraction there? You know, like Chucky hacking people. That's what we do. We hack people up. Jesus, is, Jesus has made me beautiful. And you got like your, your head's on wrong. And you know, you know, it's just like crazy. We believe God to brew something in our generation. And so you ask him what you want. Okay, the Lord says he wants significance. So what's my next question? Why do I want significance? You got a verse, Kevin? I got a verse for everything. David said, search me and know me. I'm asking the Spirit to search me and know me. My Bible says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My Bible said that before the foundations of the world, the Lord knew me and he called Jeremiah to be a prophet. Well, if that's true for Jeremiah, that's true for you. What have you called me to be? Have you ever asked that question? How do you know? What is it that you want? You want significance. Why do I want significance, Lord? Because you want to see my glory in the land. I'm like, and I'm like, wow, that's completely true. I was like, I can't argue with that because that is exactly how I am. That is what I want. But I didn't know what I wanted, so I couldn't even ask God what I wanted until he made it clear to me. He said, I want to be married. Well, what's your husband look like, ladies? Well, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of Brad Pitt, some, you know, some, uh, you know, some Jamie Foxx thrown in there a little bit here. I'd kind of like him to be, you know, I mean, that's what we want. Do you really know what it is that you want? Read your Bible where every time Jesus asked people what they wanted, no one knew what they wanted. No one. One or two people knew what they wanted when he asked them. He asked the man at the well, do you want to be sick? Do you want to be well? The guy goes, well, <laughs> came up with so many excuses. He asked them, what do you seek? And they're like, well, um, we just want to know where you live. Is that really what they wanted? That isn't what they wanted when he asked his disciples. They wanted to know who he was. That's what they really wanted. They didn't want to know where he lived. What side of town are you living on, Jesus? You think that's really what they wanted? He has no problem with you asking him what, and he would just let him tell you, who am I, Lord? What am I? Why am I? Stop trying to answer the question for yourself. Learn to see, feel, and hear as he does. Learn to do that, and things will change. And then begin to press into it. You'll go, well, I want money. Well, why do you want money? Well, I want to be rich. Okay, well, why do you want to be rich? Because I want to self-indulge. Well, you're off, the, you're off the mark of the kingdom. 
Now, if you want to say, I want to be rich so that I can build the kingdom of God and give to it generously above, my, above and beyond what, I, what I'm comfortable with, now we're on to something. Now your desire is in line with his desire. You understand that? Anytime self's involved, that's a problem. If it's Jesus, you want this for me, okay, great, now we're, on, we're in line with it, right? Why do you want that business? Why do you want that company? What are you going to do with it when you have it? Well, I'm going to go buy me a new car. Okay, okay, we go buy a new car, but what else are you going to do with it? Well, I'm thinking I'm going to get my mom a house. Okay, we're going to get your mom a house. Now, what else are you going to do with it? Is Jesus anywhere in that equation? Is a sacrifice for his kingdom anywhere in that equation? Then your desire is not of heaven. The desire is of you. Your desire is correct, but it's misaligned. The desire, once God shows you the desire, you align it with his purposes. And you begin to walk into his purposes. This is for somebody. I don't know who this is for. First service didn't get any of this. <laughs> faith comes through remembrance. Okay, so here it is. So we have faith through the word, through, through revelation, faith through remembrance. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Anybody ever heard that before? So what we teach people is we're like, well, we're going to get more faith if we just read our Bible. We're going to get more faith if we just listen to our Bible. That's not what it's saying. It says faith comes by hearing. And learning to hear comes by the word of God. Faith comes by prophetic voice and prophetic revelation. Do you not see the power of prophetic? The church dulls its faith because it never learns to hear. It never learns to, well, we read the Bible. Well, we read, 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 read. We want more faith. Well, man, the amount of time we read our Bible, you should read your Bible and you should know your Bible. We should be mountain moving faith people. Seriously. There are people, there are churches that know all the right things but couldn't care less. They know doctrine up one side and down the other. And I get many of them that want to tell me stuff. Oh, you know, they don't go to church. They don't do anything with it. But by God, they're going to try to doctrinally correct me. I don't even argue with them anymore. I used to just go, really? Well, now. And just unleash on them. And then they're like, whoa. Staggering out the door. And I'm like, yeah, try it again. You want to go back? Come back again. No, anyway, I don't do that anymore. I'm just like, I'm just like. Good luck with that and move on. I don't have time for doctrinal division. I got time for it. You know, it's like, what are you doing here? Well, I know what I'm doing here. What are you doing here? You're so full of the word, but you can't even get off your couch. You know more scripture and you know more about churches than most pastors do. But you sit on your couch and do nothing. The word profits you nothing. It's worthless. You, you, you should be full of faith. You know that much word? You should be a man of faith that could blow the doors off any building you walk into. But it doesn't come that way. Faith comes by learning to hear. We have to learn. My sheep hear my what? My sheep hear my what? So did Jesus get laryngitis all of a sudden? Is that what happened? He wrote a book and then he said, I'm not talking for a while. I'm just going to go over here. No, he hears his voice. He still speaks. He speaks by his spirit. And his spirit speaks a language. Say this with me. The Holy Spirit speaks a language, and it's called Scripture. The Bible is important because the Holy Spirit speaks in reference to the Scripture. But the Scripture is not that which is giving the faith. It is the voice of the Spirit upon the Scripture that activates faith. That's why I'll say things in this room, and some of you will get crazy revelation, and you'll be like, boom. Well, it's not my words. It's the Spirit of God upon the Word speaking. Faith comes by hearing. Okay, so what's the next question? Well, how do we learn to hear? Learn the Word of God. Faith doesn't come by the Word of God. That's not what it says. If that was what it meant, it would say faith comes by hearing, by, faith comes by the Word of God. It doesn't say that. Faith comes by the prophetic voice. 
What are you saying? What are you doing? You say, I don't hear the Lord. Learn scripture. If you are, you are a prophetic people, any one of you, you, I can get a person up here who barely knows Jesus and I can teach him to prophesy. That doesn't mean they're sophisticated in it. You heighten your prophetic gift by learning his word. You heighten your prophetic gift by understanding his word. Then it becomes heightened. Then it becomes mature. The gifts are everywhere. We all got gifts. You just don't even know you have them. Maturity in the operation of the gifts is a secondary concept to the gifts themselves. You all have gifts. God is calling us to heighten our prophetic gift by knowing his word. So we've got churches that know their word, but they have no prophetic gift at all. Or they don't even care about it. And it's dull. Now, skip that. So we'll come down here. I just, I just skipped. Oh, that's not important. That's not important. That's not important. I don't have any time. I'm out of time, so anyway. The ability here comes from Scripture. The Scripture positions us to hear so that when you hear the Lord, you go, that lines up with that voice. That lines up with that heart. That lines up with that. This is not love. I'm not hearing love here. I'm not hearing that. This is not the love of the Father. This is not the righteousness of God that I'm hearing. I'm, being, I'm hearing something that takes me out of something that's right to God, so that can't be God. I'm hearing this. This is right to the Lord. Yes, okay, so therefore this is the voice of the Lord. You see? That's where scripture becomes that barometer, that barrier. Faith comes through remembering. We've covered that. The carnal mind, your mind is always against the things of the spirit. Always. Always, always, always. Next slide. How do we operate in faith? We apply obedience to revealed truth. Faith is more than an abstract or vith. It's not the result of human beings. It doesn't come, fight. It doesn't come through the human experience. It comes through supernatural experience with the Lord. That's why people go, I read the Bible and I just still don't believe. Well, duh, because you're not, you're not encountering the Spirit, you know? The applied obedience, that's what unbelievers say that. I've read the Bible from cover to cover. And what's it say here? The Word didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. They were reading it as skeptics, not as believers. They were reading it as observers, not as inquirers. Applied obedience. Faith comes through applied obedience. Sometimes faith has a substance and a feeling. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's a determined action to do what is right. And you obey. And you just do what is right. And that is an exercise of faith. When you're believing God for something greater, there's a substance and there's things related to that. There's visionary things that are related to that. We will be obedient to, to revealed truth. So whatever God says, obey it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Anybody know that story? Jesus was at a wedding. What did he say? To, what did Mary say to the, to the servants? Whatever he tells you, do it. So we have, we have a transformation going on. Water to wine. How did the water to wine happen? By the people doing what Jesus said. So sometimes faith is an obedience to applied truth or to revealed truth. Jesus said it, just do it. Right? Well, I don't agree with it. He didn't ask you if you agreed. He didn't ask for your opinion. He didn't ask you, do you think this is right or wrong, Kevin? What's your opinion here? He didn't ask me that. He didn't ask it. He's not asking it. We don't get to vote. God determines what is right and wrong. We don't. We should tell our government that. Hey, just so you know, Jesus determines what is right and wrong. We don't. What? Anyway, on another note. Destiny comes by moving into what God has revealed in spite of contradictory circumstances. You can believe God and move into the things of God despite everything that's going on around you. Faith has not... Say it with me. Faith has nothing to do with my circumstances. Nothing to do with it. God can be saying this, and your circumstances can be saying that. You move into what the Lord says. Faith comes about through prophetic or through obedience. These are just some areas of obedience. 
tithing, offering, healing, salvation, the Word of God. There's things in the Word of God that just require obedience. They just require you to just do it. Nothing happens. You say, well, I don't, I don't feel like this, Lord. Well, if you're waiting for a feeling, it's not going to come. Sometimes faith, God wants us to exercise faith by just by doing the thing he told us to do. And sometimes God can't entrust things to you because you won't do the basic things. This is another impediment to vision, Christian. Many Christians, you should hunger and desire destiny and vision. If you don't, you're not connecting with the Spirit. God is calling you unto something greater than yourself in every arena of your life. He's calling it to you. And it doesn't come. The Bible says, how will you run with a horseman if you can't keep up with the footman? If you can't do the basic things, Kevin, how in the world am I going to give you the higher things? If you don't know how to uh, read your Bible, pray, commit and connect to church, financially give and live on mission, those are the five basics. You want to know the five basics of the Christian church? I just gave them to you. If you don't know how to do the five basics, how in the world am I going to give you the higher thing? If you can't read your Bible, pray, commit and connect to church, financially give and live on mission, how do you ever think I'm going to allow you to lead my people? If you can't do those things, how do you ever think that I'm going to manifest the vision that can change your, your world if you can't do those simple things? Because they're the foundation. It's the foundation upon which everything else rests. So sometimes faith is obedience to clear scripture. And it doesn't profit unless we mix it with faith. We have to mix it with faith, not unbelief. Last slide, please, and we're done. You guys get anything out of this? Yeah? yeah? I'm doing a little preaching here this morning. I'm going, yeah. We partner and we agree. What the Lord says, partner and agree. I'll give you one. I'm going to give you a prophetic word right now. It's a prophetic word of revealed truth. You're son and daughter. In Christ Jesus, you are son and daughter. Wait a minute. Let's, let, so we got that. Do you believe that? Do you agree with that? Do you see yourself that way? We hear it, but do you believe it? And do you see yourself that way? You can believe it and agree with it, but still be standing out of alignment with it. Do you see yourself that way? Do you? If you don't, what lie are you believing? What lie are you believing? See, this is how we align when partner with it and agree with it. Faith offends the mind. I'll give you another one. You are heirs of the eternal kingdom. Do you believe that? Uh, this is true. Do you believe that? Do you see yourself that way? You are an heir of the other world. Yeah, that world belongs to you. You belong to that world. That's what you belong with. You're the head and not the tail. Do you believe that? That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Do you believe that and do you agree with that? And will you accept nothing short of that? This is what it means to partner with these words, you see. We can't just hear it. We can hear it and believe it, but still not be in line with it. Oh, I believe I'm a son and daughter of God. I see that and I believe that. But do I, do I see myself and view my life in light of that? Is everything in my world focused through that lens? That's how you partner with the word. Transference presence. We press in and we make a demand upon what's been made available. We make a demand on what Jesus has made available. Take advantage of the Lord. Your challenge this week, I'll give you two things real quick. If you get anything out of this, realize that faith doesn't come from you. Realize that. So if you can stop beating yourself up and start believing God for greater faith. Second thing I would begin to ask you or just call you out on doing is begin to ask the Lord what it is that you want. What is it that I want? And then ask deeper and deeper and deeper questions. You understand? 
Oh, I want this. Okay, well, Lord, okay, why do I want that? Because this, okay, so how do I get that? And he may say, do that. Now, that isn't going to give you all that. But, so, okay, you may say, I want life change. And so the Lord will go, change your friends. And you go, wait a minute, changing my friends isn't going to give me life change? And the Lord's going to be like, no, changing your friends isn't going to give you all the life change, but changing your friends is going to start. And I'll give you step two once you do step one. So change your friends, then come back to me and ask me for step two. Okay, Lord, I changed my friends. What do you want me to do? Okay, now, you know, that's how it works. You understand? What is it that I want? What is it that you want? Begin to partner with the desires of God upon your own heart. Let him show you. Let him show you. Who am I, Lord? Some of you, you, your life would change simply by asking the Lord who you are and letting him speak to you. And lifting your heart in a vulnerable way to receive what it is he has to say. Because we hold our heart like this because we really don't want him to say what he, what he, he's going to tell you how much he loves you. He's going to tell you how much he's for you. He's going to say something over you that's going to completely blow your mind. World changer. You're going to be like, me? You know, I'm very pleased with you. I'm for you. He's going to say something over you. My daughter, he's going to say something over you. But you've got to be vulnerable enough to receive it from him. And then once he speaks over you or you get a word over your life, don't just receive it, believe it, but line with it. Start living your life through that lens. Anybody had a word spoken over their life ever? You know what I'm saying? Line yourself up with that word and start moving through that word until the next one comes along. Yeah? I told you guys last week, I got a word when I was a young Christian. I was praying in church, did exactly what the pastor's I'm telling you to do. He said, believe God, ask God who you are. I'm like... Who am I, Lord? What am I, Lord? Why am I? What are you going to do in my life? And he said, you're going to lead my people. And I, I, I dude, I, I didn't even, I didn't know anything. I knew nothing. But as I began to mature as a Christian, as I began to grow a little bit, I, be, I always remembered that word over my life. And so I studied leadership. I've been a student of leadership my whole life. Why? Because I don't feel, because that was the word that was given over my life. That was the word that's been spoken. And so now I've been getting to come back around and begin to ask God, what is it that you're saying to me? And, and I got two consistent words over me. And my wife actually pointed it out. She's like, what did he say? He said, oh, he said, I'm a builder. He said this. He said, she's like, wow, that's the second word you got that you're a builder. I was like, wow, you're right. And so then I started going, what do you want me to build, Lord? I'm going to build my kingdom. Okay, what part of your kingdom would you like me to do first? You want me to build my kingdom? Here, because there's another question. Well, what does it look like to build, my, build your kingdom? In fact, what does the word kingdom actually mean? So how am I going to build this kingdom if I don't even know what a kingdom looks like? Well, I'm called to build God's kingdom. Okay, what's God's kingdom look like? What does that look like? You see how this stuff works? This is, this is how we take what is promised to us and it becomes real. And it stops becoming these little cuffy little things that we quote as Christians. We quote these little cuffy little things. Oh, I'm called to write books. Really? Have you written any yet? What kind of books are you going to write? Oh, God just told me I'm going to write books. Well, you think Jesus is going to do it for you? I mean, have you written anything? You got a manuscript? You got a chapter? What do you got? I got nothing. I'm just waiting for... God told me I'm going to write books. Okay. It's never going to happen. I'm called to change the world. Okay. What are you doing right now? What does that look like? What does it look like to change the world? I don't know. God just called me. Change my world. Okay. Well, what does that mean? I'm called to build the kingdom of God. Okay. Well, what does that mean? What does the word kingdom actually mean? Until we understand what kingdom means, we can't build what it is that he's telling us. Is he telling us to build a castle? Is that what he's telling us? Most of us, we think kingdom. Oh, he's gonna, we're going to build Disney's castle. No, we're going to build the king's dominion into every arena of life. We are going to work to bring about the rule and the reign of Christ into every sphere and asset, asset, aspect of life. That's what dominion means. The king's dominion into... How do you know that, Kevin? Because I've asked him. 
I'm telling you something that I practice. I'm giving you stuff that costs me blood. You know, this costs me a lot of time and a lot of energy, and you're getting it for free. Okay? But I'm, I'm telling you how it works. I'm telling you how it works. Man, let's pray. You guys are awesome. So good. So good to have people who are hungry for God's word. I just want you to know that sometimes when I'm talking, this is what ends up happening. The demand is made upon his presence. That's why the things come out of me. That's why I end up going into these arenas, because someone in the room, there's a demand being made upon the presence that's in the room. And so God is releasing something into that demand. That's, again, with a, a service that's, you know, kind of, you know, I'm not, I don't, you know, anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> not doing that, but I just want to share that with you guys. So put a demand on his presence, man. Father, we give you glory. We thank you. I bless these people, God, in every way. Lord, your word has gone forth. Change lives. Your word has gone forth. Transform. Transform, transform. Set us free on every level, Lord. Call us beyond the common. Call us into the extraordinary. And we want to soar, God, with eagles. Even if we've never flown before, God, we want to rise higher. We want to go beyond everything, God. We want to live. We want to see you in our generation. We want to know you in our generation. Bless you, Lord. Let your word not return to you void, but let it prosper where it is sent and let it accomplish what it is sent to do. We honor you. Lord, I bless the people one more time. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he give you peace. May you forever be in his favor. In Jesus' name, amen. God loves you. We love you. Have a wonderful week.